Today on CityCast Boise, in and out was unsurprisingly the biggest news of the week, so Morning Edition's George Prentice and I get that out of the way first. Then we dive into an under-the-radar graffiti ordinance that the city of Boise passed in September and finalized this week, and how the Boise Bicycle Project is coping after a car crashed into their building ahead of one of their biggest annual events. And before we get to today's show, you may know that CityCast Boise is looking for a new full-time podcast host. Applications are open through January 2nd, so check out our show notes for a link to the job description. It's Friday, December 15th. I'm Blake Hunter, and this is what Boise's talking about. Good morning, George. Thanks for coming on CityCast Boise. Hi, Blake. Thanks for the invite. So I have a bone to pick with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, on earlier this week, was it Tuesday or Monday morning? I was in, you know, 10 a.m. the line for In-N-Out and you weren't there. What's up? First of all, I probably was working. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, that said, yeah. if I was not, I would not have been in line. Uh, by, by the way, I've been to In-N-Out. I've been to In-N-Out many, many times mm-hmm. uh, in, in other locations. Um, I... I have no problem with consumer enthusiasm over something that's new, something that's different, something that is quote unquote buzzworthy. My bone to pick is with my fellow, and I use the term loosely, journalists who uh, have gone a little too far on this. I have no issue with, hey, here is this, and it's expected to create uh, quite a stir, but they just went over the top as if it was, uh, you know, victory in Europe day, uh, as I if, know. you know, World War had ended. Um, and uh, uh, it just is ridiculous with the amount of coverage. And, and then, quite frankly, 80 to 90% of the content was, it was a commercial. It, yeah. it, it, it was, it, it was just, it's like, my gosh. I mean, I really, I, I know they're, well, I, I, I hope they're not getting compensated for that, but, uh, and but I it hope. it feels like it. Yeah, but yeah. It does feel like it. And I hope yeah. that no journalists took any free samples. Uh, and yeah. I don't think that they, they would have that said, come on, come on. I know. And I, know. I can probably on any given day, give you 30 other stories that were, that were either unreported or underreported. So I apologize for being the cranky old guy, but um, I didn't touch this story as a, as a result because I knew that there was way too much of a, of a void of stories that were being not that were not being reported right. because of the ridiculous amount of coverage and resources, journalistic resources that were were pointed in that direction. I have no problem with anyone being in line, um, but I don't think there were any public safety issues. And there have been, and this has been reported for years. And I just want to clear my name. I, this this was a joke. I was not there. Okay. I have not been there, and okay. I probably won't be. Uh, I mean, just talking to like newsletter readers this week, people were really excited about it. It seems like part of it is because a lot of people who have moved here from California are like thrilled about it. They're just ecstatic about it. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand how this. Yeah, I don't get it either. We're two we're two grumpy old guys here today on the podcast because I just I don't get it either. And I think that you're right. I think that we've just paid it too much attention. And by we, I mean the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
We, we, this is our tactic here at CityCast uh, yeah. lately with In-N-Out, or for the lately as in for the past two years almost. Uh, whenever someone talks about In-N-Out, we have to bring up other local burgers that mm. we prefer. Have you got a spot that you'd tell people to go try and, and skip skip the parking lot lines? My favorite burger is a sit-down burger, um, and that is Fork. Okay, nice. It is uh, a burger to die for. Now, I realize that that's a restaurant and a sit-down burger, but it's just the best burger in, in the region. Yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm actually not very picky with burgers either. I'm happy with pretty much any sort of... I, I love like a mom-and-pop drive through I feel like that's just so exciting and fun to me. West Side Drive-In makes a pretty good burger, yeah. Love it. Um, Hawkins is great. And by the way, I think a burger is usually only as good as the fries that come next to it. I think it is a compliment and, mm -hmm. and a sign of, of just a really great place. You got to have great fries too. Yeah, absolutely. Especially here in Idaho. Now that they're in Idaho, maybe they'll change their recipe or something. I don't know. Um, okay, so you you mentioned that In and Out's taken up a lot of a lot of airtime when some underreported stories could instead. And one of those that you wanted to talk about today uh, that I am very curious about as well because I haven't seen about anything about this for several months actually is this graffiti ordinance from the city of Boise. What can you tell us about this? I think this has uh, it's not only interesting on the surface, but this the subtext and and the sub uh, uh, stories, if you will, uh, that are included in this are are really interesting. So uh, we've all heard of the broken windows theory in criminology that uh, visible signs of crime, uh, create uh, a, an urban environment that encourages a further crime and disorder, including serious crimes. Uh, that theory has been around and tested, and it's a fact, and it has been around for years. So earlier this year, uh, someone in uh, the city of Boise's attorney's office stood before the city council and said, and I've got to pull out the quote here, there is a growing amount of graffiti defacement on public and private property throughout the city's limits. Now, I want to talk about private property in a moment, but let's talk about public property and defacement, especially in the shadow of anti-Semitic behavior and actions. At the Anne Frank Memorial, way too many incidences like this. And so, and overall, the number of graffiti reports is well over 300. Uh, it was well over 300 last year. We're probably going to top that this year. And those are the ones, by the way, that are reported right. uh, to yeah, the police. Yeah. So... What the city decided to do was change the law, basically, and create an ordinance. So, graffiti on private property. If an owner is unresponsive, the way it has been for many, many years is the city or neighborhood tries to find the owner, deal with the owner, sometimes sue the owner, and it just gets dragged out. In the meantime, every passing day, it's an eyesore and creating to uh, the lesser good. Uh, so now, if an owner is responsive, the city waits 10 days and then they move in. And here's the key. Graffiti is now considered an official nuisance on the city's law books. So in other words, Boise police open a file, right? And then if the owner is not going to do anything about it, which is to say, clean it up or paint it over, et cetera, the city now has the right to go onto someone's private property and take care of it. That's a yeah. big deal to cross that line. So say like an old house or something yeah. gets tagged 
and you can't the city can't reach the owner or the city can reach the owner but they say that they're not going to do anything about it this is just hypothetical for whatever reason they're not going to do anything about it can the city still then go ahead and within those 10 days go ahead and and, and like cover it up or whatever yes so the, the short answer is yes so consider the implications here of going onto someone's private property and then the because there were probably at least half a dozen legal uh, barriers to do, to doing that just by, by the fact that it is private. So I honestly think I wouldn't put it past the Idaho legislature to step in on this. This is like ding ding ding, like fodder for them to say that Boise is overreaching. But here's the law: so the city can move in, but the city is going to contract with companies that do this. So it's not as if we're going to tax our our uh, departments in it, at City Hall to do this. So they have, just this week, the city council said, well, let's kickstart this. Here's $100,000. So gotcha. there's $100,000 instantly. So tomorrow, this could happen. So they'll right. contract with a company that does this professionally, which is to say scrub it or paint it over. But imagine that, painting over on someone's private property, on yeah. someone's wall, garage, shed, or house. And then they may go after that owner to recoup the costs, but they're not going to wait for that legal battle, right? So a modest cleanup, I'm told, is about $500 to $800. This isn't cheap. Um, no. And by the way, I had a conversation with a colleague uh, about this, and he said, do we have like a epidemic of graffiti? And the answer is not that I know of, but it is so personal. Right, it is so. It it is a major problem when it's next door. It's a major problem when it's my neighborhood. And here mm. is that that thing that this administration does time and again, which makes it a kitchen table discussion. It's like, what is the quote unquote greater good for a neighborhood? It's very personal, but it's saying, hey, you know what? We're listening. We're going to do something about it. But it is a reach. It's interesting that you brought up kind of the, like, whether this is an epidemic, because based on the most recent numbers that I saw, you're talking about we're, we're going to, we're, we're approaching the 300 graffiti counts that are reported to the police this year. Right. We were over 300 last year, but, you know, the all-time peak was in 2019 with, like, 470. Right. You know, I mean, obviously, there, there has been a spike. I, I don't necessarily know the numbers on this, but there has certainly... Uh, anecdotally been a spike in anti-Semitic graffiti for sure. Yeah, because this could pop up on private property, certainly the memorial, but I see it uh, definitely happening on private property. And the city, you know, may catch lightning in a bottle on this issue. I think a lot of people should pay attention to this and will pay attention to this in 2024, especially when it starts happening and private uh, property owners start suing the city for coming onto their land and covering up graffiti. Well, speaking of building repair, last Friday, an alleged drunk driver uh, crashed into the Boise Bicycle Projects building down in the Lust District. And then this week, they've got one of their biggest events of the year, the Holiday Kids Bike Giveaway. A lot of listeners might know about this, but, you mm -hmm. know, kids from around the Treasure Valley write in a description or and or draw a picture of their dream bike, quote unquote, and then they send it into BBP. Boise Bicycle Project, and then their staff, they literally make these bikes. You know, right. they, they do whatever they can to actually put them together. They raise a bunch of funds. You can, you know, uh, community members have been able to sponsor specific bikes that they want because they put the little images and descriptions of what the kids submit uh, online, which is just incredible and so much fun to, like, scroll through them. 
But do you know, I mean, how has this impacted uh, BBP this week? This is, I mean, and, and also I want to mention, they've got a new uh, new director, you know, just within the last right. few months. So this is a, a tough, tough week. Do you? What do you know about this? At the very least, it's a major distraction. Uh, but we do know that it actually did significant damage. It's a yeah. modest building uh, in mm-hmm. the Lust District. Boise Bicycle Project has been there for some time. So you can imagine what it's like and how dense it is this week, packed with mm-hmm. close to 700 bicycles. I mean, we're talking of that's as many bikes as you'd find like in a, in a warehouse, right? Yeah. Um, and and they're they're and they're already busy and they're, full right. already. These are people who are working 10, 12 hour days. And now at the very least, it's taking time to deal with, I don't know, insurance. Yeah or heat in the building, let alone the cost of all that. So we do know from Boise police that uh, a driver suspected of drunk driving, alleged drunk driving, slammed into this building and did significant damage. So here's the the uh, the subheadline of that. Is this just another reminder of public safety on our streets and the mm-hmm. number of people, let alone buildings, that are being uh, hit and uh, you know and people being injured and or killed. Um, in this particular case, it's drunk driving. Is it an isolated incident? Yeah. Could it happen at a worse place? No. <laughs> no. This is awful. Yeah. You know, these are volunteers. Mm-hmm. They're doing wonderful work. The Boise Bicycle Project Holiday Giveaway is one of the great days of the year when kids from all over the region, many of them who are just starting to learn English, etc., and Talk about making dreams. They're literally making dreams come literally, true, yeah. right? Yeah. And I've seen these bikes where kids, because you can imagine kids like, oh, and I want a tiger head or I want a unicorn yeah. that that you know that, that comes out of like both of the handlebars. Yeah, I want an umbrella on it. And then they make it happen. The smiles couldn't be more wide. So yeah. uh, hearts are broken over this. It couldn't have come at a worse time at a worse place. And yes, yeah. it was a setback, but... I'm guessing they're working 20 hour days now. Honestly, yeah. And and like you said, what a punctuation mark to the end of a really devastating year for road safety, for for bicyclists and for pedestrians. And they're right in the heart of that conversation, right? About uh, making safe streets for everyone. Yeah, they are asking for any any donation of money and or time that you can give. Like I said, the Holiday Kids Bike giveaway is this weekend, so uh, might be a little bit late to jump in on that. But they're going to be covering a lot of costs in the future. That kind of building repair is very, very expensive. So uh, if, if you are so, you know, urged, uh, please consider giving to them because, they, like you said, they're a great force in our community. And can I make a recommendation for anyone who may be listening and is new to the region Head on down on Saturday. Yeah. Um, that you, you will not soon forget this. Um, this mm-hmm. is a, a wonderful experience just to just to look at it from across the street and from afar. When bikes are brought out, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bikes are brought out to hundreds and hundreds of kids. And by the way, it's how they will go to school. It's how some of right. them will actually uh, go to their first part-time job because some of these kids are older. It's a wonderful experience. I can't think of a worse target of crime, uh, but yeah. it is an intersection of that conversation about safe streets or the lack thereof. And we are at an epidemic. We're at an mm-hmm. epidemic of unsafe streets. And so this is just, a, 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 I never would have guessed that this would be an example of that.
Okay, now we're going to move into our favorite corner, movie corner. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am so excited to hear your update, that <laughs> something that we talked about last week. So I'm going to go first so that I can get it out of the way. Finally went and saw Holdover, The Holdovers. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of shocked that people aren't talking about this movie more. Yeah. Because I bald. I have a re- I usually don't like cry in movie theaters that much. I can do it even more easily in my in at home, but like I was just sobbing. Like it what a beautiful beautiful movie. I'm so happy. I think it's just it's so happy. I think it's such a beautiful idea. And also I I don't know. I think that whenever there's a white kind of land owner or mm-hmm. you know, this person wasn't Paul Giamatti's character wasn't the land owner, but the white person in power. Yep. Uh, and then you have a black person working kind of for them. Obviously, it can get into the help territory very quickly mm-hmm. and uh, and the movie The Help. And so I was definitely anxious about that factor going into it because I knew very little about it going into it. But, you know, just in the first few scenes, I was like, OK, what's going to happen here? But that was just beautifully done. It, it just feels like A24 really sat down and were like, what if we really committed to doing a Christmas movie the way A24 would do a Christmas movie? And then they did it and it was flawless. I am so happy that you loved it because I connected to this movie instantly. Alexander Payne, and by the way, let's list them. I mean, About Schmidt, Election, Sideways. Downsizing, which is surprising yes. to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, Nebraska. I, yeah. Nebraska. I think this might be his best. Um, and I think it might be Paul Giamatti's best performance, too. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack rocked. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. thought the style of uh, this early 70s setting, it was not, it was very intentional. Uh, you know, it's so, I mean, just the, the wardrobe, the the, the, the music, uh, just everything. I, I, I adore this movie. The fact that it has a holiday background uh, makes mm-hmm. it a holiday movie, but it doesn't hit you over the head with it. Um, yeah. And I think we could all relate to it, but uh, the best performance uh, comes from um, from the woman who is the cook at at this at this all boys yeah. school. And awards aren't everything, and I don't think that the potential for the holdovers to win any awards is why you should go see it. But I really hope to see Divine Joy Randolph, uh, who plays Mary Lamb, uh, win some best supporting actress accolades because she totally stole the show in just the best way possible. I loved her in it. So it's turning out to be very successful in art houses around the country and very successful, so I'm told, uh, here in Boise over at the Flex. Yeah. Uh, so they're, hold, they're, they're holding it over. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember when I came back from Toronto in September and met with the owner of the Flex and I said, this is your Christmas movie. And she said, hold it, what? And I said, no, this is your unexpected Christmas movie. Yeah, you'll have mm-hmm. uh, Wonka and The Color Purple and, and uh, Boys in the Boat and all that. And I said, this is your surprise. This is your yeah. surprise movie. I love it. Yeah, I mean, just beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. Mm-hmm. You have a Wonka update. I do. Tell me, what do you think about Wonka? There were a hundred reasons not to, for me, not to like this movie. And I love yeah. this movie. Oh, no. That means I have to go see it. Okay. Well. Timothy Chalamet. And by, by the way, it's an origin story. And, and I guess that was my biggest eye roll. It was like, oh, yeah. an origin. Like, this is the easiest. You know, they're going to blow mm-hmm. it. So he's this kid, uh, this optimistic kid uh, who just wants to share chocolates with the world, uh, but it uh, fills the void left by the loss of his mother, uh, who is played by the amazing Sally Hawkins, anything with Sally 
Charlie Hawkins in is, yeah. you know, it's good. Anyway, so Willie uh, gets into a long-term indentured servitude in this Dickensian laundry service run by a character played by Olivia Coleman. But, uh, and, and it's a musical. Uh, and Timothy Chalamet is not a great singer. He's a good singer. And here's what's refreshing about it. Uh, he, he's singing like someone with a nice voice instead of a pop star. And so right. many of these musicals, it has this American Idol ridiculousness to it. Um, so he's a he's a he's a he's a good singer. So Gene yeah. Wilder's performance as Willy Wonka will still exist for anyone who prefers it. But this is not cynical. So uh, this was also a great uh, reintroduction to uh, the young actress Calla Lane. Uh, for those who haven't seen her before, um, she was in uh, This Is Us, uh, right, on television. I okay. think she's 13 or 14. Anyway, um, she plays a character named Noodle, who's also uh, that Willie meets in this awful laundry service. Um, and they have this, uh, uh, and their relationship is the most resonant in the movie. They have a song uh, for a moment where the two of them are singing and she's very earnest, etc. cetera. Uh, but then Timothy Chalamet's uh, Willy Wonka, I mean, say, like he's like, he sings noodle, noodle, apple strudel. Some people don't. And some people doodle singing. This song will improve your moodle. And I'm just like, what is, and it's this lovely just, like melody in the background. And I'm just laughing and smiling. It's like the, this is daring me not to smile and laugh yeah. while she's being serious. He just keeps rhyming noodle. Um, and it's the and it's a ballad, uh, so I double dare anyone not to smile uh, at this movie. It's like where did this where did this feeling come from? It's like oh okay oh it was some hibernation since last December twenty fifth. So yeah, Wonka's really really good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was really I was holding out. Uh, Don't. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I have multiple friends who are like, we have to go see this. Like, I'm sorry, I will be there, and I was like. I'll go see the color purple instead. No. But it sounds like I have to go see both. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, my other my other one, which, you know, this is very uh, – a lot of people will be talking about this movie in RDR, but I'm very excited for Poor Things. Yes. I feel like that is one that I – again, similar to The Holdovers, I'm going to go in knowing very, very little – which I kind of love. Um, so I'm, yeah, really excited about Emma that Emma Stone, Mark have Ruffalo. I have. I saw it in Toronto. Okay. Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, it's it's destined for a whole bunch of Oscar nominations. Um, it is, uh, it will, it's provocative. Um, it will turn some people off. Um, but uh, but it's it will take you someplace you've never been before, and isn't that what we're all in search of? Well, thank you, George, for for joining us this week. It's always a pleasure. Uh, hope you have a great weekend. I will, and my weekend all of a sudden got a little better. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia and Grant Irving. I'm Blake Hunter, and I write our Hey Boise newsletter. Our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back on Tuesday with more stories from around the city. See you later.